Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to our Romans Bible study that we have every Monday morning and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time right here live on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page and the YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316. And we're just so blessed and excited to be able to be bringing to you the Word of God as it is in truth that can only bring about the fruits of His righteousness. And I'm excited about that. Again, this is my office and, and I'm here at Crossway Church. And if you're looking for a good church that hears that can come and hear and learn the Word of God as it relates to Christ and what He did at Calvary, then we are the church for you if you're living anywhere in this region. A great praise and worship team, great nursery children's church, and we meet at 10 on Sunday mornings and 6.40 on Wednesday evenings, and you can also watch the services live on these two avenues that they're offered and other avenues. Uh, so. I want to first of all, before we dig into this 11th chapter of Romans, which is where we are in our Bible study presently, I want to thank all those who watch, all those who listen, all those who are participating uh, with the ministry of Crossway Church here in Queen City, Texas. Those of you who know about and are participating in our Bibles to Inmates program that we have, it's really more than a program, it's a ministry. We are presently mailing Six, no, sorry, seven expositor study Bibles to the inmates that are in the prison system. Right now, I'll, I'll give you a little picture today. Uh, this is the amount of letters that we presently have, and letters come in every day. But mailing seven a week, uh, you'd think this would go down, but... It's about th like this or more just about at all times. So, and these are, these are from all over Texas, some in Arkansas, some California, because they move the inmates around and uh, other inmates see their Bibles and want that Bible and they write us and ask us for that Bible. Now it takes, it costs us $37 per Bible. So I would encourage you to pray about that. Help us get these Bibles into the inmates who are requesting these expositor study Bibles just like the one you have. So praise God. Let's get into this today. Nothing like the Word of God on the planet. Nothing, nothing compares to the Word of God on the planet because it is where our faith comes from. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, the Bible says. And yet the Bible also says that to live is Christ. Christ said He is our life. So therefore you can never separate the Word of God, every Word of God. You can't separate any words in the Bible from Christ. They all pertain to Christ and in somehow, some way, point to what He did for us at Calvary. Now, if you will submit yourself to that truth that Jesus is your genesis and He is your revelation and He will be everything in between and He is our daily bread and we live by every word, the Bible, that proceeds out of the mouth of God, yet there is no life without Christ, then all the words of God are going to point to Jesus and what Jesus did at Calvary so that we can have this eternal life. And then daily we can lay hold 
on this eternal life and we can continue to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Well, where we are today in Romans chapter 11, this is part five here on the first day of June 2020. And we will start in verse 11. Paul says, I say then... Have they stumbled, and he's talking about Israel, the natural nation of Israel, those who have the bloodline of Abraham. He's talking about them, the ones God gave the promises to, the patriarchs to, the one that God would bring Jesus, the Messiah, the Redeemer through that nation. Now listen, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? That means have they stumbled that they should be completely just fallen away and thrown out for good. The Bible says, God forbid you to think that. Now, I want you to understand that. When the Bible says God forbids, that means God forbids you to even go down that avenue with your thought. Just like the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 says, God forbid that I glory in anything other than the cross. God forbids that anybody glories in anything other than the cross. Hallelujah. I'm so glad the Lord has brought me through many, many toils and snares and failures and hardships to that conclusion that everything that God is going to be involved in that gives Him glory in the believer, in the believer, is going to be because of a faith he finds there in his son and his son's work at Calvary. Outside of that, God's not going to be able to do a work in anybody for his glory. Now, God's using the devil for his glory some way, form, or fact. God's using everything on the planet in some way for his glory. But we're talking about in you and in me, the child of God, the born-again child of God. For anything God is going to be able to do in us, to us, for us, and through us, it's going to require our faith in His Son and what His Son did at Calvary. And if you disagree with that, then you're still a part of a backslidden church, a wayward church, an apostate church who's trusting in all sorts of things other than the very righteous work only righteous work God honors, which is what His Son did at Calvary. And that's why the church has not seen the power of God. They've had to start making up what the power of God is, putting on big displays of flesh and emotions and feelings. And not, nothing wrong with feelings and emotions, of course, but if you don't know the avenue through which the power of God comes, you're going to have to start making stuff up and tagging it, sealing it as the, as, as the move and the power of God. I've been in that. I've done that. I'm no longer there, praise God, because I've been brought back by the Lord to my first love, that love that rejoices in the truth that Jesus said He is and what He did at Calvary is the only thing that makes that truth applicable, impartable, if that's even a word, to me. Hallelujah. So He says, I say then have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather, watch this now, to us Gentiles, saved, blood-bought, born-again Gentiles, watch this, but rather through their fall, that means through their trespass is what that word means, salvation has come to us, the Gentiles, for the reason 
because God loves us, yes, of course, but here the re another reason is given, to provoke them to jealousy. Listen, Jesus came to save His own. Yes, He knew He would save all in the world who would believe upon Him. He knew that. They all, God, the Godhead already knew that. Even the Old Covenant speaks of God reaching out and saving even the Gentiles that would trust and believe upon Him. But Jesus came initially to save Israel. You need to know that. And even when uh, at one time when uh, a lady's asking for some bread and Jesus said, you know, is it right to give the bread to dogs? You know, and Christians, we've all had a hard time with that. Why would Jesus call somebody a dog? Isn't that kind of ugly? No, listen, he wasn't being ugly. He was only trying to get folk to see the comparison between a nation God had blessed and poured out on and poured His riches into, giving them the patriarchs, the promises, the, the, the even would bring the Messiah through. His, the, everything God was doing was in and through that nation He built up through Abraham and called His own people. The riches of God was being poured out through that nation. Now compared to that, all the Gentile world were just like dogs outside looking in the window. You know, everybody just about has had a dog living out in the yard. Well, us country folk have. And the dog, you know, he, he wonders what it must be like to live inside. Look at them sitting at the table in there. Look at them plenty. They feed me. They throw the scraps out to me. And so Jesus calling that lady a dog and, and in that day uh, the, all the Gentile world being referred to as dogs wasn't really, shouldn't have been in the heart of people uh, something that was being ugly and mean because Jesus didn't do that. But it was a comparison there to what God had done for Israel the Gentiles, us, we were like dogs on the outside looking in. We didn't have the promises. We weren't given the patriarchs. We, we, we weren't the ones God would give the word of the Lord to and bring a Messiah through. So we need to remember that. And God hasn't thrown away Israel as we will see in the writings of Paul. Let me say this today before we move on. If you're listening to any preacher that thinks he's so heady and high-minded and he knows so much when he's telling you, that God has completely done away with Israel and now it'll always be from this point on the church Israel will never have another place in God's plan. You better run from them because if they're teaching that then they're teaching a lot of other false things because that about Israel being restored is in your Bible and a little old child can read it and understand that. That's not some uh, end, end days eschatology that ever, everybody don't really know everything about. If we're honest we'll admit it, but about Israel being uh, given eyes that see not and ears that hear not, uh, that was only a reward for their unbelief, as verse 9 tells us in that word recompense. We covered it in the last session. But listen, one of the reasons God turn to the Gentiles. He's not throwing them away. God forbid you think that. I don't care how much scripture that preacher can quote and how knowledgeable he looks and oh how, how, oh how spiritual he thinks he is. If he's telling you God has thrown away Israel and they will never be again, you better run from them because they're messing up a whole lot of other stuff. If you're messing up what's plainly written before your eyes, then you're messing up a whole lot of other stuff. So watch this now. He says, 
But God forbid, rather through their fall, through their failure, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles because He's trying to provoke them still today. Let me tell you, God hadn't forgotten about Israel, the nation, the bloodline of Abraham. You better just get that out of your mind. God forbid you think along that lines because he, this, this is another proof. Why would God still be trying to make a, a nation jealous if he's gotten rid of them and thrown them, I mean, thrown them away? That's ridiculous. God, when God's through with something, he's through with something. And why would he be trying to make them jealous? Because he's going to, when Jesus comes back, Zechariah writes it, all of Israel, and Paul writes it too. All Israel will be saved. He's not talking about all who've rejected Christ going to be resurrected and some weird stuff like that. And even the ones who rejected Him are going to be resurrected. Jesus taught the religious rulers of His day that it's going to be worse for you at the judgment, on judgment day, than it will, than it will be for Sodom and Gomorrah. So we know that's, that's not going to happen. Now what, what, what Zechariah is writing about and what Paul means when he says all Israel will be saved is that all Israel that day when Jesus comes back just in the nick of time and they believe in Him and Israel will be restored. Don't walk away from that, my friend. Don't walk away from that. If you walk away from that, you won't understand a lot of things written in the New Testament and, you, and, and you're in danger of even losing what you've attained. Now don't, 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 th don't sit here and don't, don't listen to preachers that tell you you can't lose what you've already received because that's the opposite of that is in the Bible too. And I thank God that many are coming out of that mess today. They're coming out of that. They have no scripture to, to clarify what they believe. They just quote some same old scripture. Can't nothing pluck me out of the hand of God. Absolutely right. God will never forsake me. Never leave me. Absolutely right. But the Bible teaches that you can forsake Him. Galatians 1, 6, Galatians 5, 1 through 4. You better read Revelation 2 and 3 and know that's to the church. So... He says here in verse 12, Now if the fall of them, that means the trespass of Israel, be the riches of the world, think about that, and the diminishing of them, that means the failure of them to accept Christ, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. You see, there it is again. God is going to restore Israel to a place of fullness. Right now, he's grafted in, as Paul's about to teach us here, us Gentiles. And, and look at what he says again. If the fall of them, the trespass of Israel, through the rejection of the Messiah, be the riches of the world. You and I have been offered the riches that were offered to Israel, the riches that once belonged to them. They can pray at that welling wall all day long till the sun goes down. They can stay there all night, but their prayers are not going to be heard and honored. I don't care what you say. There's only one way God hears prayers, and that's in the name of His Son, Jesus. That's what Jesus taught. Pray to the Father in my name. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do that to glorify the Father. And Israel... The, they don't accept Christ as the Messiah. Now, I understand 
They are Christian Jews. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the Jewish people who still to this day do not accept Christ as the Messiah, as the Redeemer. No matter what good things they say about Him, if they still reject Him as Messiah, their, praise, their prayers are not being heard and when they leave this planet, they're not going to heaven and they will never be in heaven. You got to understand that it's appointed to man to die once, then the judgment based on what they did with the judgment of God on his son at the cross. Hallelujah. So don't forget that. He says here, now if the fall of them, the trespass of Israel, be the riches of the world, us Gentiles, and the diminishing, the failure of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more is their fullness going to be when God restores them? So verse 13, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. Paul is called to tell us what he's telling us right here in this letter. Not just the church in Rome, my friend. This letter, God knew, would go far beyond the boundaries of a church in Rome. But it would be in your hands today, going in your ears today, hopefully being written in your heart today by the Holy Spirit if you'll believe it. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostles of the Gentiles, and I magnify my office. He didn't say he magnifies himself, but his office, his calling. Paul, Paul the apostle says, I've been called by God to the Gentiles, and I thank God for this office of apostle to carry this message to the Gentile world. He says, if by any means I may provoke to emulation, that word is jealousy, them which are of my flesh... Paul is an Israelite. Paul is a Jew. And he, he says here, If by any means I may provoke to jealousy them which are of my flesh, them which are of the, the, the bloodline of Abraham as I am, Paul says, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? The born again experience. The born-again experience. If Paul can provoke them to jealousy, prove to them with the Scriptures that Jesus is the Redeemer, He is the, the Christ that God promised, the, <coughs> the Savior. If he can provoke them to jealousy by showing them, praying for them, preaching the gospel to them, get them to be jealous over what God has now at one time promised to them, given to them, it's been transferred to whosoever will believe now. Even the Gentiles, the ones at one time were considered dogs. Uh, listen. If by any means... I may provoke to jealousy, that's what emulation means, them which are of my own flesh and might save some of them. See, Paul's heart is always to see the lost saved and the saved living saved. Now the first part we've got down for many, many years. We we're falling away from that even as a church when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to uh, preaching the gospel. A lot of mixture in that even to get lost people saved. I mean, there's a lot of mess in the church today. But, but those who are the church, those who are have been born again, they know it was through faith in the blood of Jesus alone. 
But now what we've never known, never known as the church is how to live saved. You ask somebody today, and I hope this registers within your heart and soul. If you ask just about any Christian today, how do I live for God? I want to live for God. How do I live for God? And they will begin to tell you of things you must do. And that's not the question you ask them. What must I do to, to live for God? Jesus told us that. Just believe upon the one He sent. But how is the question, how do I live for God? How do I live by grace through faith? How do I live in a way where I know I'm not perfect, never will be till Jesus comes, but how do I live in the way Romans chapter 6 verse 14 speaks of that sin will no longer dominate my life? See, that is a promise not for the hereafter. That's a given for the hereafter. That's a promise for now because you're no longer under law but under grace, Romans 6.14 tells us. How do I live for God? How do I stop making excuses for sin in my life and find the power of God for grace to be manifest in my life? Hallelujah. How do I begin to understand that I've been forgiven, not only forgiven, but God wants me to walk out this plan of salvation, this deliverance in my life where I'm no longer known as a bucket mouth, a gossip tongue. I'm no longer known as an angry person, a, a strifeful, envious, jealous person. I'm, I'm being delivered and, and people are able to see the fruit of God's grace in my life. How do I live for The church has never known that. It's always been written, but because we're so driven to works. We, we think we've got to work for it. We're taught that growing up. Well, if you'll do a good job, they'll pay you good. And in the natural, that's right. But in the spiritual, it's by grace through faith all the way through. And when it turns into works, for any fruits of righteousness, for any growth, for anything that Christ paid for at Calvary, then we prove we don't know what I'm talking about today. And I speak from experience, 99.9999% of preachers that are pastors do not know what I'm talking about right now. They don't have a clue about it. They're still preaching what you've got to do. And yes, there are works, but they're only in Christ the works we're ordained to walk in, that they're in Christ. That means faith in His finished work because only then can the Holy Spirit work in and for, to and through my life. Never forget that. And if we're not pointing people with the Word of God to the cross of Christ, then we're not pointing people to Christ. And we're not pointing people to the proper place called grace. Now, you need to remember that. Now, this is a movement of God taking place. Most are not going to accept it because it's a place you have to surrender the cross, the message of the cross, the cross itself. Jesus died on for us, not the tree, but what He there did is a place of humility, surrender to obedience. And that's what we don't like. That's what, we, that's what Christians don't like. I surrendered once, I'm not surrendering again. Think about that. He says in verse 15, For if the casting away of them, Israel, the casting away of them, 
Not the throwing away of them, but the putting them aside now because they put God's plan of redemption aside. Again, God doesn't just choose people to, to, to put a spirit of slumber on and, and make deaf and blind. Th- those things uh, take place because God is just as faithful to curse folk as He is to bless folk. He's just as faithful to blind you as He is to open your eyes. It's all based on what we do with Christ and His work at Calvary. It's all based on that because that's the judgment of God. In the book of Psalms, I believe it's Psalms 9.16 or 16.9, one of those, write it down, look at it after the session. The Bible says that the Lord is known by the judgment which He executes. And he judged, he executed judgment for our sin at Calvary. And sin is still our issue today. Sin. If it's not acts of sin, the sin nature is still dominating if our faith. When our faith is not in the sacrifice of Christ alone, we're being dominated by the sin nature because he's illegally allowed to work in my life if my faith is not in what made him dormant. That old man, that sin nature, he's not gone. He's not done away with. He still exists like the devil that was destroyed by the works of Christ, but he's still allowed to exist. Now, you need to think about these things. If the casting away of them be the reconciling of you and me, the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? There he says it. He's going to receive them again when they come to Him. When Jesus shows up to save them from the the, the time of Jacob's trouble, we call the Great Tribulation, that's in the very soon days ahead, Jesus is going to show up at the nick of time. Because if He didn't, the enemy would wipe them out. And that would prove that God really wasn't right about something. But he's already told us the end of the story. He's already told us that Israel is all Israel is going to be saved when Jesus shows up. They're all going to believe upon him as their Lord. They're all going to (coughs) choose to believe that what he did 2,000 years ago was what all their family before them over the last 2,000 years, those who've rejected him, they, they've rejected God and they're going to accept God by accepting His Son, the Messiah. They're going to see the, the scars on His side and in His hands, the holes that, will, that are there. And they're going to accept Him. And all Israel will be saved. And let me tell you something, in that day, Israel is going to be something to see. Going to be something to see. He says in verse 16, For if the first fruit be holy... The lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and you, us Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. Here we're being told... God forbids that you think, even think that God has thrown them away for good. They cast themselves aside. 
They trespassed. They failed and are still failing today as a nation to accept Messiah. Jews are being saved. I don't know on what scale, but Jews are being saved. But the nation as a whole, they're still looking for their Messiah. They don't believe Jesus that came 2,000 years ago was him. And they're all dying and perishing, going to the place called hell, torment. Because it's only appointed once for men to die, then comes the judgment. So they're not getting a second chance. Again, refer back to what Jesus taught the religious people of Israel, his people, that day he walked among them. That it's going to be better for Sodom and Gomorrah at the judgment than it is you. That right there refutes any second chance when you're breathing. Today is your chance to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Once you perish, once you're gone, you, 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 you passed your opportunity. That's why today you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. How do you do that? It's not by saying anything. It's by believing with your heart unto the righteous work Jesus performed for you at Calvary in His death, Romans 10 and 10, so that you could be forgiven from your sins and begin to walk in a place of deliverance from your sins, become a child of God, and God become obligated to take care of you, to daily provide you the grace and mercy and everything else that you need through that avenue of truth and grace. If you'll just keep clinging to the truth of Christ and Him crucified, God is obligated to freely give you everything that you need according to His will. And I'm thankful to know that today. Even every Jewish person can be saved today if they will call upon the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know that today. I'm glad I know Jesus today and I'm glad he knows me. He's accepted me based on my trust in what he did for me at Calvary. He won't accept any other human being based on any other grounds. Only through his death, what he did in his flesh at the cross, has he become our door into heaven, into the Father. He's the only way. I hope this uh, session has been an encouragement, a blessing to you. And I want you to pray for us because when you preach this gospel, it is greatly rejected today. It's not just words we say. Entire denominations reject this. And preachers reject this. They shun us. They want nothing to do with us because they're still hooked up and bound by the works of their flesh. They don't believe it. They say that they don't like where it comes from, the preacher. or, or it's, They point out things. But listen, they did that with Jesus, but it's all really a denial of Jesus, even though they say they accept Him. If they, listen, if you reject the message of the cross, you're rejecting the Jesus of the Bible. And more and more of God's people are realizing that, repenting and coming back to their first love, which is the love that rejoices in the truth and not iniquity. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want you to help us sow Bibles, expositors study Bibles into the prisoners' hands in these prisons. I want you to help us raise up new churches preaching this message that Paul preached. I want you to help us do what God's called us to do. You can be a part of it by prayer and by intercession and by giving. You can give at the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. You can also pull out your smartphone and give. Text your giving to the ministry by, by texting 903 
231-5950. When you type that number in, just type the word give and follow the prompts and you can be a blessing and a part of the move of God that's taking place through this gospel-centered cross-eyed church right here in Queen City, Texas. God bless you. We love you. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I'll see you then.